Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. This summer, there's only one trusted place that lets you get in on all your favorite sports betting action. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% off welcome bonus. Or text BET now to 238-669. That's B-E-T-N-O-W to 238-669 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines this summer. From Major League Baseball to the Women's World Cup and all things U.S. BetOnline.ag has you covered. Visit BetOnline.ag and don't forget to use the promo code PODCAST1. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to... A tropical paradise. Try them both. Then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Steve Austin, former pro wrestler, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and uh, has a new show. It's on the USA Network, Straight Up Steve Austin. You can catch it every Monday at 11 Eastern on USA Network. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. It's been a while. Was there any bad blood between us when we did that ESPN commercial 15 years ago? Like, you you told me to hit you in the back with the, the folding chair twice, and I had a couple of takes, and I hit you as hard as I possibly could. No bad blood. We're good. Absolutely. Remember, I told you, I said, hey, man, you, you got to lay it in because it's got to look good. Because if you hit me easy and soft, it's going to kill the whole thing. So you had to lay it in. And then you also said, hit me twice. It'll be a bet. Like, you're the one that said to the guys who are making the ESPN promo, it'll be funnier if I ask him to hit me again. Yeah, can I get one more of those? And I remember, <laughs> and it's funny because it was really one of the first sets I'd been on, and I guess I didn't know protocol and so you kind of want that to be the director's idea. Yeah. So when you, I, I ran it by him, and it's kind of maybe offended him a little bit. And then all of a sudden, when it became his idea, he was cool with it. And then you therefore hit me twice. Uh, can we play that? And if you listen to the audio, you're going to be able to hear. Uh, hopefully, we're able to play this, and there's audio attached to this. Hey, Stone Cold, what are you doing up so late? Hey, Dan. Just studying. I'm fading pretty fast. I know just the thing. <laughs> Can I get one more of those? Sure. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. That helps. Don't work too hard. You were you were great. You were your comedic timing is awesome there. I thought that really showed my range as an actor. <laughs> now I have a little pad that you had in, in in the middle of your back. A little turtle shell. Now is that what you normally wear in a situation like that when you're in the ring? Well, no, because I just wear a pair of trunks and boots. Okay, so if I hit you with a chair in the ring, I'm hitting you with. You've been hit with a. Oh yeah, chair. a million of them. You know, and basically what you want to do when, when you're giving a guy a chair shot, you want to line up perpendicular. So if the guy's on his, say, hands and knees this way, you want to hit him perpendicular to his back. Do you want Paulie to come over here and, and be down on the ground? You can tell me what he does. 
I mean, we can. Okay, Polly, come on over, and and then Steve will show us how to. I have a chair. He's got a oh, folding no. chair there. Now, Am I getting up? Yeah, yeah, okay. go ahead. All right, get up here. So, I got. So, like, say I knock you down, and you're on your hands and knees. And so, okay, if he's here, yeah, I can be here and I can hit him, but. If I start swinging this thing, this, this lip could end up hitting him in the back of the yeah. head. Okay. If that's not good. That's going to open him up. So you come here <laughs> perpendicular, right? Yeah. You're using angles. You I learn like, this stuff like in school. Like yeah, like, like a light. Like, so like when you t- bring that thing, I mean, you're bringing it from way back because it's a visual. Yes. And then you're, you're, he gets pounded. And you're trying to, you know, once you lay that chair in, you're trying to back off a little bit. You don't want to swing through, you know, like a guy trying to hit a baseball or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So you kind of want to pull it, but, man, he's going to feel a lot of impact. It's going to hurt. So I can be laying these things in on him. And when you see a guy go belly up, that means no mas. I've had too much. Oh, yeah, right. because, see, now, now look what he's given me. you, you got forearms exposed and, and knees and stuff like that. And so you, that, that's when you don't swing another chair unless, you know, then I'm going to go to this and, and go to like the solar the, plexus and midsection. Like the guillotine. Yeah. You're going to stab and him. And I did that to the rock in 17 when I when I turned heel, but after I lambasted him with a bunch of back shots. I'm went to, But you're, hey, man. You're good, Paul. They don't teach you this in professional wrestling school. You kind of It's kind of like on-the-job training. So When, when you turned heel, you know, because I know that, you know, your audience, like you're, you're portrayed a certain way, but when you become the bad guy, how does how does your fan base react to that? Well, they they revolted. I mean, they didn't want to hate me. By that time, they loved me so much. You know, we you always want to do something big at WrestleMania. I didn't think we had anything big that year, so I told Vince, "Hey, man, I'll turn heel." He goes, "Okay," because you know, at a certain point, you just kind of flip, and, and you think things are going to get hotter. But it has to be warranted. So there's really nothing. But I was feeling flat, kind of going into WrestleMania 17 because I'd been hot for so long. And I've always liked to be the bad guy anyway. So that's why I wanted to turn bad guy, so I'd have fun. But people didn't like it. What did The Rock say about it? Rock was cool with it. Rock was about to ride off in the sunset and go film, I think, might have been his first movie. And now he's the biggest movie star in the world. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible, the the amount of work that that guy's done. And, you know, to to have the the vision in the future and the the dream to get into acting. And now he's he's crushing it. He's everywhere. Are you going to get Rock on your show? I would love to have him on the show, and they, people were asking me if I could have a dream guest, and I don't like to name names because we, we've had a lot of people that we reached out to in the first season, but we couldn't get just because of scheduling, but yeah, he's a guy, because of our background, you know, I, I don't email him, we don't text each other, I don't even have his phone number, but as soon as we get in a room together, you know, it's that instant camaraderie, friendship, uh, but I'd love to spend some time with him because I always brought out the best in him, and he always brought out the best in me. Could you take him? At your peak and his his peak in, well, in your prime, like you a know, real fight. Ta- well, I, obviously, I'm going to say yes that I could because I'm, I believe in myself. But Rock's a big, tough guy and played football at Miami. So, uh, who's he's, the he's, last guy you want to see? Do what? Who's the last guy you want to see in front of you, like oh, a man. real fight? Oh, Haku. Uh, you know, everybody knows that Haku was the baddest guy that there ever was as far as fighting, real fighting in the business, because that guy, he just had these crazy, you know, large hands. I got a pretty good set of mitts, but man, he's going to be pulling your eyes out. <laughs> he's going to be biting you. I mean, when you mess with him, you're really, you're, you're flirting with death. Who's the greatest performer you've ever seen? 
Man, you know, Hulk Hogan really knew how to work a crowd and form that relationship with that crowd. Uh, but Nature Boy Ric Flair, who I consider to be the greatest of all time, he brought a, you know, a little bit more <clears throat> show business into it when he'd start falling over and after, after taking a bunch of punches and traveling the world like he did. For, back in the day, we've, we've always known that the business has been a work. But at the, at the elite level, traveling around the world and truly defending the world championship, Ric Flair is the GOAT. And you start to, you know, you start to formulate your personality because I don't know if you're you're actually able to be yourself or they tell you to be somebody. How did it work with you where they said, OK, th- this is who you are or you said this is who I am? You know, you, you're kind of going out there and you're learning and you, you're learning who you want to be. And I emulated Ric Flair when I first started out and when I was stunning Steve back in Georgia and everybody, because of my ability back then at the mechanic stage, hey, man, this, this guy right here is going to be the next Ric Flair. Well, man, there's never going to be the next Ric Flair. So I was more of a technical wrestler back in the day. And then in 97, when I got dropped on my head and almost got paralyzed, bruised my spinal cord, I had to mo- modify my style and not be so technical and turn more into a brawler. And that's when I came up with the Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. And with the modified style, the, the, the gimmick or the, the, the name that I grew into, which is basically you cover sports. So I played, you know, football, baseball, track, all of that. When I played football and I, I was a linebacker, defensive end, and I was a running back, I wasn't fast enough to uh, run around anybody, so I ran over people. <laughs> but, I, but I have a killer instinct. You know, I'm going for the win at all times. And so when I found that part of me – uh, in professional wrestling, even though the business is a work, when I just turned myself up to 11, that's who I am. And that's when everything started to work for me. But everything was a work in progress. And like we were talking off the air <clears throat> in this first season of Straight Up Steve Austin, you know, trying to find myself, you know, as that person interviewing people and getting to know them. When did you know you were famous? Like, was there a moment that you said, my life just changed? I started feeling it one night in Chicago at the Rosemount Horizon, and that's one of my favorite buildings to work in, the favorite, because it's a wood ceiling, and the acoustics are so good in there, and the Chicago crowd is so crazy. And anytime you do something, I mean, you're listening to that crowd, and if you're not listening to that crowd, you're doing it wrong, because everything you do, you do to elicit a response. Based on that response, you, you respond accordingly. And, man, when you hit the gas pedal in that building and they give you that feedback, you know exactly where you're going. So it was one night we were in a tag match, and I started really feeling the energy from that crowd responding to everything I did. I said, hey, man, this is coming on. And to answer your, your, your famous question, I never even really considered that. You know, I never, never, never thought about it. But did you guys, you know, women, like crazy, you guys are out there basically naked performing. You're performers, you're stars, you're worldwide. Like they, they camping out at hotels waiting for you. How crazy did it get when you were single? Well, I've been married four times. That's a good answer. Hey, now, I've been with my current my, my wife now. It was my soulmate. I've been with her 15 years. We've been married nine. So I'm glad I found her when I found her. But what was it like before that? Hey, you can, it's like... Man, you, I, I heard you talking about golf. I heard you all the, the sports you talk about. It's it's everywhere, you know. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you, you have to, to answer your question. You were never uh, lonely. No, 
No, and I'm a loner. <laughs> <laughs> I, that would be because you're going into a different city. You're like a band. Yes. Like you guys, you're yeah. rock stars. Yeah, you know, a lot of times, you know, you might be, I don't know if you're considered famous, but you're on television, so you have exposure, right? Uh, but, you know, most time, you know, before you make it big, I mean, you got three or four or five guys crammed in a rental car so you can all split gas. You yeah. know, you got three or four guys in a hotel room splitting beds, low guy on the totem pole or the guy with the least experience is sleeping on the floor. And, you know, so you have exposure, but you're not really famous. And then, you know, I, I guess uh, it looks glorious on TV, but the lifestyle in and of itself is kind of like... You know, just caveman uh, express. <laughs> and I, it's, it, it, it was a great life. But, yeah, I think Ric Flair, I always looked at it like this way. You live three lives in one body. On one hand, you're a professional athlete because you train like one and, and you work like one in the ring. Other hand, you're a rock star because when you go someplace, you know, if you want anything, it's there and you can have it, you know, with respect about anything. And on the other hand, you're like a truck driver because, you know, uh, these days guys are doing tour buses and stuff like that. But, you know, you take a flight, you get your rent a car, and you're driving all over the United States. So it's all those things going on. And a lot of guys, you know, met an early demise because they, get, they, they got caught up in it. I, uh, I look forward to seeing the uh, next episode. It's straight up Steve Austin. You can catch it uh, every Monday at 11 Eastern on USA Network. Baker Mayfield, Dale Jr., uh, Becky Lynch from WWE, uh, Rob Riggle on there, so pretty good guest list there. What's the biggest challenge that you're finding as the host? Man, you know, I've, I've been podcasting for about six years. I think that's helped me. Uh, really listening, you know. That's the key. Uh, you know, really listening and, you know, you try to really finding myself, who and what I am, you know, in the show. This is season one. We filmed that pilot about a year ago, and, you know, Filming a pilot, I mean, you, you have this concept and this idea, but when you go out there, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing yet. My guest doesn't really know what, what he's doing out there, and you're, like, throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, but you're in a tank running over a car in one episode. Hey, man, that was right up my alley. You know, when you get to wake up, drink a couple of cups of coffee, and <laughs> my wife says, what are you doing today? I said, I'm not, we're crushing cars in a tank. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was good. But when you're doing something and you have an activity to bond over, you know, you're, you're trying to walk and chew bubblegum at the same time, and some of this stuff is even new to me. But you just you, you own it. You go out there. You try to form some chemistry and a, a relationship with your guest and have a great conversation. And you want them to shine, obviously, because they're the guest. But there, there's a lot of moving parts, and it, it's a whole lot different from my podcast, obviously, because I'm in, a, in my studio next door to my house, one-on-one -on -one with one person, and nobody's there. All of a sudden, you've got a crew of 85. And I, I've got to thank USA Network, first and foremost, for the opportunity but the crew that they hired to support me was probably the best crew they could have hired. So I got a, I got a lot of great help. I wish you well with it. It's great to see you again. Once again, I, I get more comments. They actually took that commercial off the air not long after we did it. They were worried about kids trying to emulate that, not knowing that you had this little pad in the middle of your back. Yeah. And they were worried about that. Because I mean, we were professionals. Steve. We were professionals. Yes. And I trusted you. I know. Boy. <laughs> It, it, you know what? When you see the papers flying, like you can hear the wind of that chair. I want to hit you so hard. And I had you were a nice guy. I had no, you know, I had no problem with you. And we have similar builds. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to wail on him. And then when you said, give me another one, I said, I'm going to give you another one. 
And I, I gave you everything I had. Yeah, and you know, if you'd have raised that chair up about six inches, you might have clipped me right in the back of the head like I was just yeah. demonstrating. I'm so, a pro. Hey, when you go out there and you're doing something like that, first of all, never hit anybody with a steel chair. Uh, we're trained <laughs> professionals. You but, kids out there, put but, the chair down. But you know what? Well, what I'm saying is, man, when you're laying that chair in somebody, you've got to bring it or you're going to kill the angle. But, but that person is trusting you to take care of them and – Vice versa. So there, there's a lot that goes into that, but it, it, it can be very dangerous. Well, it's great to see you. Good luck with the show. And if you're watching on DirecTV Audience Network, Channel 239 or com during the commercial break, uh, we're going to have a gun show between uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Fritzy. Fritzy just does, tries, and buys. I haven't worked out in a couple of days. I've been kind of busy. Yeah, so it looks you, like you might take me. you're letting yourself go a little. You might want to do a party pump there. Steve. I'll do something. I, I just want to know how you get that, that vein going. I've, I've tried that for many years. It's called working out, Is it Todd. Working out? Yeah. Yeah, you should try it. You should try it. Uh, it's Monday nights with Stone Cold Steve Austin on USA Network. Straight up Steve Austin. We're back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Everybody's got a to-do list. I get one from my wife. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk, figure out something to get out of the house so I can relax. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. The good thing, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Do you like extra money in your pocket? Do you like not having to drive somewhere to pick something up? This is the way to do it. It just may be the most rewarding thing on your to-do list today. That's Geico.com. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Uh, let's uh, bring in Charles Barkley, the Hall of Famer, and uh, proud. He's not an Auburn grad, but uh, he went to Auburn for a couple of years. Charles, good morning. How are you? Uh, three years, but I think I'm doing pretty good for a college dropout. <laughs> did they I'm give doing you really good for a college dropout, Dan? Stop it. Did they give you an honorary degree at Auburn? No, no, we don't do those. You, uh, you have to be smart to go to Auburn. <laughs> but listen, like I say, I'm doing pretty good for a college dropout. You think? What did you do for Thanksgiving? I had a bunch of people at my house bugging the hell out of me. <laughs> there was a great restaurant in Arizona uh, called uh, Baby K's. They do two deep-fried turkeys, and I had a bunch of people over. That's in Scottsdale? Yes. Nice. And uh, how excited were you when Auburn beat Alabama? It was awesome, brother. It's always fun to go to the Iron Bowl. Uh, I was there, and it was a beautiful day, perfect weather. Uh, so I was uh, glad to share it with my uh, my boys. Did Alabama recruit you? They did. Uh, but they uh, they had signed a guy named Bobby Lee Hurt, who was the best high yeah. school player in the country. Mm-hmm. And they had a guy named Eddie Phillips, who was a stud. And I didn't think I could get to play there. Uh, so... Uh, but I made a great decision. Uh, Auburn's the best thing ever happened to me uh, as far as the decision. If you didn't go to Auburn, where were you going? Uh, everything's going to be UAB, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham. They had uh, Gene Bartow. Uh, so it was either going to be that. I was really close with my mother and grandmother, so I was going to stay close so they could see me play all the home games. 
So it it was it was gonna I made a great decision going to Auburn. It was gonna be Alabama. It was actually gonna be one of the three to be honest with you: Alabama, Auburn, or UAB. Uh, but I made the best decision. Did they try to get you to play football in high school? Uh, I played football in high school one day. That was the worst <laughs> day of my life. <laughs> Them boys are really hidden out there. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I did. I played football one day. And I, I'm not made to play football. Uh, I, I, the reason football and boxing are my two favorite sports, it takes a true warrior to go out there. I mean, it does. I mean, I respect football players. Uh, I do, and I respect boxers because, man, when you go out there, it's it's a real deal. They're not out there joking around. What kind of football player would Shaq have made? Oh, uh, Flat Stanley? No, okay, come on, man. He's softer than soft, 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 soft. Come on, man. You know he can't play football. He's a big dude. He is a big dude. That's just more to hit. That's just more to hit, brother. Hey, what, what position would he play? Think about that. I mean, he could probably uh, a big offensive lineman, but that's pretty much it. But uh, he can't play on offense. That's just too much space to hit. I would think a, um, like a defensive tackle, because he doesn't have to get after the passer. He can just stand up and put his arms up. Oh, Lord. Dan, come on, man. You, you disrespect <laughs> the football players now. I don't know. Shaq's pretty athletic. Uh, he was. He was in the day. But he's so big, uh, it would have been tough for him to, to, to do it, brother. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I wanted to ask you about this. You got teams scoring 130, 140, 150 points. I, it's fun, but what changed in the NBA? Well, we got a lot of bad teams. I think we've all been disappointed in the level of basketball so far this year. Uh, we, when the season started, we had high hopes for a bunch of teams, and they're just not showing up. And uh, the bad teams are really bad. And when you factor in no defense, uh, teams are, uh, and you can have one of those nights where you make some threes against a bad team, you're going to have a lot of blowouts. But 150 points. Well, that's inexcusable, Dan. That's just bad team, bad defense. I mean, that's got. I mean, you got no pride. I mean, you seriously, you got when you give up that many points, you really don't have any pride defensively. I mean, that's uh, when you're giving up. I think this. I think they had 80 points at halftime. Yeah. When you when you're doing that, you just you're, you're not even trying defensively. But it feels like there's a new philosophy instead of milking the shot clock to get a shot off in seven seconds or like everybody's sort of adopting what the Rockets have done with Mike D'Antoni. Well, I think it's actually, they trying to adopt what the Warriors did when they won a championship uh, X amount of years ago. Everybody's just shooting threes as quick as possible. Now uh, there's no mid range game and you just shooting threes and you see they got, then I said something last year, the Warriors who have, they had the three greatest shooters who probably ever lived. There were seven teams in the NBA shoot more threes than the Rockets. Excuse me, than the Warriors. That's absurd. How can a team with the three greatest shooters who ever live? How can you have bad basketball players shoot more threes than those guys? <laughs> I mean, think about it, Dan. I know. I mean, the, the Rockets are an anomaly because that's the way they do. But there were six other teams in the NBA shoot more threes than the Warriors. That's absurd. I mean, I mean, it's just flat out absurd, plain and simple. You all in on Luka Doncic? 
Yeah, I like him. I like to see him get Porzingis involved more. I watched him play a couple times, uh, like Lucas balling, but I would really like to see him get Porzingis more involved. And also, I like to see him, especially when he, uh, when Lucas not in the game, because I watched him play last week against the Clippers, and they just got stomped when Luca couldn't do his thing. Yeah. And I was like, feel free to pass the ball to Porzingis to get him going. He's a stud, uh, but. When they played the Clippers, like I watched the entire game, took notes and everything, and Luca had an awful game because uh, you know those guys got the two best perimeter defenders in the world on one team, but they never passed the ball to Pazingas except when he's standing at the three point line. I mean, I'd run some plays to get him the ball down low uh, to get him some easy baskets. Uh, so, but they don't do that. They just get a ball to Luca and say, "Go do it," and that's not going to work against the good teams. James Harden, you know, you like he got sixty points in thirty-one minutes. I, I should he be pacing himself? Because I always this is my big knock on on you know the Rockets and James Harden. Once we get to April, May, then it feels like they run out of gas. No, they just playing against the better teams. Uh, uh, the, the, the good, the, that's the thing about the playoffs, Dan. That's when you play against the good teams who have strategy, who have coaching. Who not gonna let you do everything you want to do? I don't think they run. I mean, nobody runs out of gas. I mean, you, you you're playing every two or three days, uh, so you're you're not tired. But you know, the other teams like, nope, you're gonna do something different. We're not gonna let you. Uh, the refs don't call as many free throws. I bet if you look at James Harden free throws, he's probably shooting five to seven less free throws a game in the playoffs than he does during the regular season. But the refs let you play just a little bit more. But the main thing, you're just playing against the best teams. But, man, you put up 60 in 31 minutes of work. I, you know, if- I've said this. I said, first of all, I'm not comparing James Harden to Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. But James Harden is the best offensive player I've ever seen with today's rules. With the three, uh, he's a, a terrific three-shooter when he gets it going. He can drive. He's physically uh, physically strong. Uh, but when I said that last year, people looked at me like I was crazy. I said, this guy's the greatest offensive force we've ever had in the NBA uh, from a little guy. I mean, Kareem's the greatest, him and Wilt are the greatest scorers and for big guys. But as far as guards, this dude is the best offensive player ever. Because Michael and Kobe want great three-point shooter. James is a really good three-point shooter. Uh, and he can drive on anybody because uh, he's, cause he's, cause he's got a great body. I mean, he, he, he's strong, he's athletic. I mean, he has it all. Yeah, he invites contact. And, you know, Jeff Van Gundy was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he said that you can't have your hands in front of you guarding Harden because Harden will always initiate contact. Van Gundy said, have your hands out to the side and let him take the three-point shot. You have to, cho- you have to choose. You can't try to shut him down on both, you know, going inside or shooting threes. He doesn't miss free throws. I don't want him in the lane at all. And I, if, 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 if he's going to take the three and he puts up 25 threes, then okay, I, I'm going to have to try to survive with that. What do you think of that logic? Uh, I don't like that logic to a certain degree. I like what the Denver Nuggets, he's played against two teams in the last two weeks who doubled him every single time yeah. when he ran the pick and roll. I would play him like that. Because those other guys ain't good enough. I mean, passing the ball to Clint Capella uh, at the top of the key uh, is not going to 
hurt you. But the, the, they played against the Denver Nuggets about a week and a half ago. They doubled him every single time. And I forget the second team that did it. They Both of them teams beat him pretty good. I would double him every single time. Say, okay, uh, Capella, uh, you know, uh, anybody else can make a play. I don't think they can make enough plays to win four out of seven, but I would double James Harden every single play. Go back to the today's rules with Harden. I It feels like Kobe might benefit more from today's rules than Michael would. It, it feels like Kobe had a, a, a little more extended game, and this isn't fair to Mike, who, if he was coming up now, would develop you know a better outside shot or a three. It felt like Kobe, in today's rules, would probably be more effective than Mike. I don't know about that, because Michael would shoot 25 free throws a game. Uh, I mean, that, that's the difference. You can't, with no hand checking, those, both of those guys would shoot uh, a, lot, uh, a lot more free throws. They'd be shooting the same number of free throws that James shoot. The only difference is I think James is a better, probably consistent three-point shooter. Michael, Michael was a good jump shooter, but I don't think he was a great three-point shooter. Mm. And Kobe, uh, I don't think he was a great shoot uh, three-point shooter. But just for the record, those two guys are better than James. I don't, I don't want to disrespect those guys. But the way the rules are today where you can't touch anybody and the way James gets can get on the streak shooting threes, uh, he's the greatest offensive player I've ever seen, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm there with you. I said it last year. I said, you know, it, it might be a style that you're not interested in watching. I'm fascinated by it. But I am disappointed in defenses sometimes because if if I ever see James Harden isolated, I want to I want to throw something at the TV because he should never have an isolation. You should always send somebody at him. And I see these poor young players, and they're out there, and I, they have no chance against him. And I, you know, so some of it is coaching. A lot of it is you know the league feels young, inexperienced. And Harden is brilliant. He really he he knows how to rig the the system for him, and he's done an unbelievable job. Well, the thing about it is, if you let him play one on one, he's going to get a shot every time, a good shot. I mean, I've always said a great offensive player either going to score, get fouled, or get a good shot. He's going to be three for three. He might not make the shot, but a Michael Jordan, a Kobe, a Kevin Durant. Guys like that who are great scorers, they're gonna get a shot. Now they don't, they might not make the shot, but when you got guys who are that gifted offensively, like I say, they're either gonna get a good shot, they're gonna score, or they're gonna get fouled. So and that's always an advantage for a great scorer. But I would never let James play one on one because he, like I say, he's gonna get your team in foul trouble. Uh, because he, because he, uh, and I'll say this: he's probably the best player I've ever seen who makes contact. Adam Iverson was yeah. great at it. Adam Iverson bumped you 100% of the time when he was coming at your full speed. You just didn't notice it because he was so slight. But James is so physically uh, physical, he hits you every time the same way. And you kind of you noticed it because he's so physical. But Adam Iverson, I used to watch him and study him on tape at times. He bumped you every single time. That's one of the reasons he was great. Even though he was little, all he had to do was get you off him a little bit. He bumped you every single time. And that's what great offensive players do. That's why people always say, well, the, the stars always get the calls. I said, well, first of all, that's, that, that is some truth to that. But all great offensive players always make contact with the defense. And they get pissed when the ref don't call it. <laughs> that's why they always look like they're complaining. 
I tell people all the time, like, any time I made a move, I wanted to hit the guy. Just uh, I didn't want to knock him down. I wanted to knock him off balance a little bit so I could get my shot off. So when the ref, when the, when the ref calls it probably 62% of the time, but the other 40% when he didn't call it out, you see guys jumping up and down. But they, if, if they would actually sit down and look at the tape, they're the one making contact with the defense, Dan. Yeah, I know. They, Harden's great at initiating contact. George Gervin was on the show a couple of years ago, and I said, who was the guy that you saw that – that game, and you knew you couldn't wait to get to the arena because that guy was guarding you. And he said, Kevin Greavy. And he said it in a way, he goes, Kevin Greavy. Like, he, he knew he was putting up 40 on Kevin Greavy. Who was the guy that you knew you were going to have a you, – you couldn't wait to face? You know, I, I will tell you this. I, I, never, I hated Kevin McHale because he's the best player I ever played against. Uh, he was one guy who was so much bigger than me with his long arms and his great moves. I had a difficult time guarding him. And then on the other end, he was so long. You know, you know, he was so long. It was tough for me to get my shot off if I had to face him up. But who was easy? Who was the guy you went, you know, I'm putting up a big number tonight? You know, Dan, I'll be honest with you, I ain't going to lie. I felt like that against everybody. But I'll tell you the one guy I hated, the one guy who kicked my butt all the time was Popeye Jones. I used to hate that dude, and I have no idea why. I, I have no idea why because he, he wasn't very athletic, but for some reason he knew all the little tricks, and he drove me crazy when I played against him. Like he, like he kicked my butt more probably than any player that I played against. Well, you probably wanted Bird to guard you, didn't you? Oh, Larry Bird didn't want any of this. <laughs> Come on, brother. Hey, Larry's a la- Larry. We hey, he's Larry Legend, but not on the defensive end. You probably didn't want any piece of that off, you know, with his offense, though. Uh, you know, he was great, great, great. Uh, but like I say, you know, in my day, I mean, it was a challenge to play against him. I mean, nobody's going to stop a great player. Yeah. Uh, but listen, I'd rather play against him than Kevin McHale. Uh, because Kevin was just so much bigger than me with those long guns. And Kevin, to this day, other than Tim Duncan, had the best low-post moves of any power forward to ever play the game. Uh, it was a lot easier for me to guard Larry Bird because they had to set picks and things for him. <laughs> I mean, because he would never stop moving. But he was you know, Larry, as great as he was, now he wasn't one of those guys say, hey, here's the ball, score. Uh, so and those are the guys that's a nightmare. Like James Harden, you're like, hey, here's the ball, score, and everybody know he's gonna get it, and he still can score, get a good shot. But Larry wasn't like that. He'd be moving all around. You turn your head for a second, and he's over there in that corner. Uh, he ran off two picks off McHale and Paris pick, and he's in the other corner. You turn your head for a split second. He remind me of Reggie Miller, who never stopped moving. Ray Allen. Clay Thompson's like that. Guys who never stop moving. Those are the tough guys because, you know, they always say, you're supposed to keep one eye on your man in the ball. I'm like, well, first of all, that's not possible all the time. You've got to turn your head for a split second. When you look around, your man's in the other corner. It's not a comfortable feeling. Chuck, great to talk to you. Congrats on uh, Auburn's win against Alabama, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you guys have a great Christmas here. Thank you, Chuck. That's Charles Barkley. We'll take a break. Back after this. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com. 
clicking on the support this podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and of course, supporting. And now back to the show. Five Hour Energy helps you get through your crazy on the go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 73120. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Let's bring in uh, Kirk Cousins of my Minnesota Vikings. Beat the Lions yesterday, still undefeated at home. They're at the Chargers coming up next weekend. Uh, Kirk, uh, good to have you back. We were just talking about quarterbacks making a tackle, trying to make a tackle on an interception. What is your policy? I know you've only thrown four interceptions this year. What's your policy on that? Man, I think uh, first thing you have to, uh, the second is the interception, you got to take off and run and show that you're trying to cover. You can't uh, not give effort. And then basically, I just try to turn it back inside. So if they're going down the sideline, I try to get to the sideline to bring them back to everybody else on the team. Uh, this year we had a fumble, and uh, we had a guy returning it, and one of the big Eagles defensive linemen was lead blocking for him, and I was I was his target. And uh, right when he got to me, I turned my back to him, so he'd have to block me in the back if he hit me. Because he, he knew I was running away from him. So uh, it was literally like a bully on the school playground, and I, I knew better than to get, get whacked by him. Okay, but if it was a playoff game, is it different? Well, I probably, I mean, if I've got a 300 pound nose tackle sprinting at me full speed, I probably go for his shins and uh, try to knife him and hope that I can create a car pile up. But, uh, uh, my odds there aren't very good, but I'll I'll do everything I have to within reason. Now I know you got two little ones. Uh, I think you got a two year old, and then uh, your youngest was yeah. born in March. But didn't you have a minivan? Pri- like you were practicing <laughs> with the minivan prior to needing the minivan. Do you still have the minivan? Yeah, we got it. It's, you know, minivan is probably an insult to what it really is. It's a conversion van. It's like a, a mini home on wheels. Uh, you know, the back seat bench folds down flat into a uh, into a bed. Uh, you know, it's got the, the, uh, the lights that run through the ceiling. So, uh, it's, it's a fun little deal, but, uh, yeah, I'm kind of an old soul. So, uh, before being a dad, I was kind of a, kind of acted like one. And, uh, so I guess I'm, I'm, I'm in my natural fit now being a dad of two boys. (laughs) But you bought, didn't you buy the van off your grandmother? Yep. You got it right. Yeah. My grandma, uh, she didn't have use for it anymore after my grandpa passed away. So I was like, I'll take it off your hands. You know, we use tailgating and things like that. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a 20 year old van now, but, uh, uh, back in 2000, that was, it was, uh, it was the top of the line. <laughs> of course. Uh, nine and four this year, second in the NFC North, you've thrown 24 touchdowns, four interceptions. Do you think you'll ever satisfy your critics? And probably not. Uh, uh, I think winning a Super Bowl, you know, certainly can. Uh, at the end of the day, people can still criticize you, but you kind of have the last laugh with a ring. So that's really what we're all chasing, and um, you know, that's all that really matters in this league and what you're measured by. So, you know, hopefully, you know, you keep winning and uh, and and you know, stack up wins that, that hopefully helps. But at the end of the day, I think we've all got our critics, and they're not going anywhere, and that's okay. I think honestly, I play better when. Uh, when people are criticizing me and, and I think I kind of, you know, come out and, uh, and, and just have something to chase. And, and, and I think it helps the way I play. 
But do you take it home and, like, do you talk to your wife about it? Because, you, you know, there were times yeah. when, you know, the critics were pretty tough on you. Yeah, and, and they will be again. You know, it's it's pretty fickle, you know, week to week, year to year. But, um, you know, I, I do try to stay ignorant. I just don't think it helps to go looking for it. I think it'll, you know, keep you from sleeping well at night and, and whatnot. So, for my own sanity, I try to stay insulated from it and just be ignorant to it. Um, but, you know, inevitably you're going to find out something through the media. You know, you, you're obligated to talk to the media two, three times a week. So they, they usually try to remind you of things before, uh, <laughs> before you can stay out of it. But, uh, you know, all things considered, I think there are some things I never hear about, and, and it honestly helps. But uh, when I do, I try to, you know, use it as fuel, if you will, and, and you know, hopefully play better as a result. What changed this team winning seven of its last nine games? You know, hard to say. I think, uh, you know, we, had, we our offensive coordinator, offensive system changed in the off season, and I think there's always some growing pains with that early in the year. And I think through the first four games, we were two and two, and we were kind of feeling our way through what this offense was going to look like. And I think it kind of clicked. I think we started to get a feel for, you know, how we're going to run the football, how we're going to throw the football, who we're going to lean on from a personnel standpoint. And, um and then once we got that feel, I think offensively we've been much stronger. Um, so, you know, two and two uh, is not the end of the world, but at the time it felt like it. And then, uh, you know, we've been able to string something together here and, and uh, you know, put ourselves in a position now where these last three games will will really write the story. When's the, we're talking to Kirk Cousins, the Vikings quarterback. When's the last time you were watching from the sidelines or even watching on TV a quarterback and you go, I don't know how he does that, or that's not—that's something I, I I don't think I could do. Yeah, you know, I, there's different styles of play, and so when I watch Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, I say that's not the way that I play the game, and uh, and it works, and it's really good, and it's you know it's just it's just not the way I I can or or do play the position. Um, and yet I watch other guys and say, all right, I'm going to try to emulate that because that's going to fit more when I'm at my best, how it should look. So, um, you know, there are plenty of guys who you look at and you say, that's just not that's just not in my repertoire. But you also realize there, there are different ways to get it done, you know? Well, it's like when you play golf with somebody and they hit the ball 50 yards further than you. It still counts how many strokes to get in the cup. So it, it's they don't give you style no points with any of this. But I still... Like I think Rodgers is is actually become underrated again for some reason. I, I I was watching him, you know, the last couple of weeks, not with San Francisco, by the way, but Aaron Rodgers to me still makes it look easier than any other quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I remember back in twenty fourteen, it was my first year actually starting a few games in a row and I was still kind of figuring it out and struggling and you know, he was I believe, you know, MVP or had been the MVP, you know, he was having a great year. And I remember saying to Sean McVay, who was my offensive coordinator at the time, saying, I think we had watched him on Sunday Night Football the night before. And I said, I feel like when I watch him play, he knows the future. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he knows, he knows what's going to happen before it happens. You know, look on his face and the way he plays the game. And, you know, as I've played longer and, and got more experience, you start to see, you know, where a guy gets that, how he develops that and the years that it takes to get there. But uh, yeah, there's no doubt he's, He's arguably the most talented, most equipped quarterback of all time, and uh, you know we, we're we're in a bit of a golden age. You could probably say end of any era, but you got you know Tom Brady, who they call the goat. You got Aaron Rodgers, who you could argue is as talented as anybody ever, and you got young guys like Patrick Mahomes that are doing impressive things. So there's there's no shortage of good quarterbacks around the league, and there's a bunch of names I didn't even mention. 
Well, if you look at Breeze is a Hall of Famer, Brady's a Hall of Famer, uh, Ben's a Hall of Famer, Aaron Rodgers Hall of Famer, Russell Wilson's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, and then that's I got a lot of gold jackets. <laughs> that's a lot of guys on their way to Canton. I mean that, that and, and also I think we're seeing this transformation at the position that you're seeing offensive coordinators or head coaches adopt the college style of the quarterback they're drafting instead of saying, Hey, come on in, we need you to run a pro set. Do you see that that that's that yeah, trend's gonna continue? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know that I consider myself a football genius when it comes to the analytics and where things are going, but uh, I, I think you'll always need a guy who can operate from the pocket, can go through a progression. I think even when you look at the quarterbacks who, who people would say, oh, they're, they're a college offense-type quarterback, the ones who are having success can still drop back, go through a progression, throw with accuracy. I think those are staples that no matter how the offense looks, you're still going to have to do those things to be successful, you know, make good decisions, that whole deal. But, uh, yeah, I think football will always innovate. It's a game of cat and mouse with the defense of, okay, if you're going to do this, then how do we answer that? And then if you're going to do this to stop that, how do we expand? And so it's just a constant evolution. I don't think that ever ends. I mean, who knows? Maybe one day we'll go back to running the triple option in the NFL <laughs> counter what defenses do. You don't know. So yeah. uh, I think that uh, it's, a, it's an evolving thing year after year. I'm wondering, I go back to that Big Ten title game. We talk about it a lot. You know, when the <laughs> Vikings played, you know, against Seattle, and, and we couldn't help but think when you guys, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and we went to the game, and it was just such an exciting mm. game. If I would have said to you at the time, hey, you guys are going to be star quarterbacks, because you were, what, a fourth-round draft pick, and Russ was a third-round yeah. draft pick? You know, right. I, and I'm wondering also, if you yeah. would have been a first-round pick instead of a fourth-round, do you think things would have played out the same way? Because Brady talks you know, about if he was a first-round pick, he might be out of the league because the expectation level would have been there and he wouldn't have been ready for it. Yeah, 100%. I, I wasn't ready to play. Um, you know, Mike Shanahan, my head coach at the time, he's, he's always been a believer in me, and he may argue that I was. But at the time, I don't know that I was ready to play. Uh, it took time. It took a lot of years of reps and experience and even failing to be able to figure it out. Um, you know, I guess if the team was patient enough with me, I'd like to think it would have clicked, but I don't think it would have clicked in the first six games if, you know, in, in year one. Um, but no, that, no doubt that big 10 championship game was a lot of fun. You know, Russell and I actually ended up training together when the season ended, we were in the, we were at IMG down in Florida and we trained together for about two months leading up to the combine. We were out there every day, lifting and throwing it. And so I guess having worked with him, you could see then that he had all the habits and the ability to be what he now has become. So I guess in that sense, it's no surprise. But I was just turned on the Big Ten Championship game on Saturday night in my hotel room, and uh, they said it's the ninth annual game. And uh, we were the inaugural one, the first one. I couldn't believe it's already been nine of them, so time really flies. You're getting old. <laughs> I'm getting old. I'm 31 now. And I think when I first came on your show, I was a junior or senior in college and was 22, 23. So time flies, and uh, these NFL years go faster every year. And you, the fact that you were singing the first time you came on? I know, I know. I can't believe I did that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got some skeletons in my closet from stuff like that. But, uh, uh, that's not a skeleton. Feel free to bust it out on a Friday. Feel Kirk, free to bust it out on Kirk, a Friday. That, Kirk, that's not a skeleton. I've talked to guys with skeletons <laughs> in their closet. Trust me, you don't have skeletons in your, uh, in your closet. Yeah. Hey, uh, congrats on the uh, season so far. We appreciate your time and uh, safe travels to uh, Los Angeles. All right. Thanks so much, guys. You do a great job. Have a great Christmas and uh, 
probably see you in the offseason. Thank you, Kirk. That's Kirk D. Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I, maybe it's just me kind of chopping up the words A lot there. of attitude? A lot of no, like, no, no, no. It's gone to his head? I'll see you in the offseason huh. because if he's still playing at the Super Bowl, then he can't be a guest. Mm. Kirk... Kirk not confident in Vikings postseason run. Yes, but is the postseason the off season? In the offseason, it could be post Super Bowl. Maybe he'll come in and visit us. Mm, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Mm. That's headline stuff. There, that's headline stuff. It's about as controversial <laughs> as he could get. Yes, Paul. I looked at it the other way. He's guaranteeing that they're going to Super Bowl. I won't be able to see you guys Super Bowl week because I'm going to be busy at practice. So I'll see, see you in April, see maybe. See in the offseason. Okay. That's smack. During the season of giving, we'd like to offer you a little something special, and all we're asking in return is a few moments of your time. We need you to complete a short survey because your opinion matters to us and helps support the show. It'll only take a couple of minutes, and if you're one of the first people to do it, we'll give you a reward in return. Just go to podcast1.study, and everything will be right there for you. That's podcast1.study. The first 150 people to complete the survey will get a $10 gift card to Amazon.com. All of our shows are supported by advertisers, so filling this out will really help us. So please go to podcast1.study, and as always, thank you for supporting the show and happy holidays from all of us at podcast one five hour energy helps you get through your crazy on the go life and now it comes in two great tropical flavors strawberry banana and tropical burst they're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise try them both then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com you could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 73120. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details.